1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. And then in my Bible, I turn the page, chapter 10, verse 14. We're going to be kind of looking at this chunk of scripture tonight. And I know it's a lot, but we're going to look at it. And, uh, you know, the Bible is always communicating a message. And we need to do our best to understand what the Bible is trying to say. And uh, these chapters and verses all go together. So I would ask that we would go to the Lord in prayer, ask the Lord to open our eyes, our understanding, that the truth would prevail tonight, and that the Word of God would have free course. So let's seek the Lord together, and not just me. Uh, I can preach the Word, but your heart has to be open to the Word. And uh, those that are hungry, I do believe God will fill. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. We thank you for the blood that was shed upon the cross of Calvary for our sins. We thank you for the salvation that has saved each person in here tonight that has believed. And we thank you for that that salvation has the power to save any that are willing to put their faith and trust in you tonight. Lord, I thank you for your word that has so much power and so much truth. Please open our eyes and our hearts tonight to what you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, let's just take a quick look here at what comes before this passage because I think that helps us understand what Paul is talking about. Now, Paul preached the gospel. He said at the beginning of 1 Corinthians that he determined to know nothing among them save what? Does anybody remember what it was? Christ and him crucified. That's the gospel right there. And he had gone to Corinth and he had preached the gospel to them. Many had accepted. There, had, uh, there was a body of believers there. And how many of you have wondered how heartbroken Paul must have been when he heard some of the things that had happened or that were going on in this body of believers at Corinth? Because of all the churches that Paul wrote to that we know of in the New Testament, does Corinth have a good reputation or does Corinth have a bad reputation? They have a bad reputation, all right? They were known, I would, I'm going to sum this up in, into two things. They were in immorality and they were doing things that had to do with idolatry, okay? And Paul writes this letter to them and he's saying uh, that you can't do this as believers, all right? They were, they were a carnal church. They were carnal believers. And in chapter 8, Paul talks about the liberty that we have in Christ. And he says, okay, we have liberty, and another man does not determine what I can and can't do. But our liberty should not be used to, as an occasion to offend another brother or sister in Christ. So that's what he talks about in chapter 8. And then in chapter 9, he begins to talk about how he is an apostle. And you know, Paul was always having to defend his apostleship. He was always under attack. And he begins to say in verses 1 through 6 that he, he was defending that he was an apostle. But in verse 7, okay, and he says that one of the proofs that he was an apostle 
was the fact that all of these people at Corinth had believed the gospel, and he says, that is a mark of my apostleship. And then he begins in verse 7 to, to give a bunch of examples of people that do things because they get to reap of their labor. Verse 7, who goeth a warfare any time at his own charges? All right, that's a good question. How many people go into battle and they finance the battle? I, I can't really think of that happening very often today. Who planteth a vineyard and eateth not of the fruit thereof? How many of you have a garden or you know someone that has a garden and they have no intentions of eating the fruit of that garden? Uh, that's kind of absurd. I, I do think I may have met one person. They don't like veggies, but they like to garden. But in general, if you're going to labor, you plan on reaping from that labor. Okay, where's Paul going with this? Because he's going with this. I preached unto you the gospel, and what am I reaping from you? Carnal things. And what he's saying is, look with me at verses 12, uh, 12 through 18. Look at how many times he mentions the gospel. Look at the end of verse 12. Lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. Verse 14, even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. Verse 16, for though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Verse 17, at the end, uh, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. What is my reward then? Verily, that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. Now, then he goes into talking about how he, although he was free, and by the way, we don't even really comprehend how blessed we are to be, be free people. Now, think about how many people in the Roman Empire were not free. All right, it was over 50% that were not free. It was a very common thing to be slaves. And remember when Paul, I, I don't know if it was Felix, but he stood before him and he said, I'm, I'm a Roman, and you beat me un, uh, un, openly. I didn't have a chance. And uh, the leader says, well, with a great price, I purchased my freedom. And what did Paul say? He said, but I was freeborn. Okay, that was really something in that culture to be a freeborn man. You know what Paul is saying here in verse 19? Though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. You know what Paul's entire life is about? The gospel. Yeah, it's about, it's about Christ. But he's trying to reach them with the gospel of Christ. And he, although he's a free man, he is making himself a slave to all. He's just talked about all of the things that he... Uh, is all about the gospel, is giving his life for the gospel. Uh, they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. He makes himself a servant unto all men, even though he's a free man. And then in verses 20 through 22, he talks about these, these verses that many of us well know, that he made himself as unto all men, that he might reach some. Okay? And he says in verse 23, And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Now, 
It was already mentioned tonight in a testimony, uh, I believe it was the brother sitting right behind me here, that we each have a race to run. And you know what Paul is, what he's getting around to? I have a race to run. And then what he does is he switches it to the people. And he says, you have a race to run. And you know what can disqualify you from from achieving uh, the crown of righteousness? All of these things that can disqualify you. The church of Corinth, all the things that they were involved in. All right? So this is where Paul's going with this. So let's look at chapter 9, verse 24. And Paul's going to talk about his race. Okay? Verse 24. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all? But one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Now, what Paul is doing here is he's talking about his race, how he is striving, how he is running, and he wants to finish. But he's going to switch here in chapter 10, and he's going to say, hey, there's more to this race because the goal is to achieve this crown of righteousness. Now, ultimately... Christ is the goal, right? Christ is the goal. But in this race, he, he is saying, you are not going to finish this race on accident. Okay? And he's going to say, you've got to strive for it. And there's a whole bunch of things over here that can disqualify us. And this is where he's going with this. All the things that the church at Corinth were either doing or... You know, everybody in the church of Corinth wasn't guilty of these things, but they were allowing it. So all of these things that they were either doing or allowing were disqualifying them from finishing this race. So let's look, first of all, at verses 24 through 27 at what we have to do. Run that ye may obtain. All right, let's look at this. Verse 24, know ye not... I love it when Paul says that. He, he, he says that, and you're assuming this is common knowledge, common ground. We can all work off of this. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all? Now, we could take a step back from this, and we could think about a race, a running race. They were really uh, passionate about running in the Roman Empire. The Olympics, they were really that was a big sport to them. Okay, so Paul uses this illustration. Now let's say that we are all sitting around a racetrack, and I don't know how many lanes they usually have, but let's say they have nine or ten guys lined up there, and they're all running around the racetrack. And I ask the question, okay, how many of them are in the race? Well, that's kind of a, an obvious answer, isn't it? They're all in the race. Every one of them that's in the race, they're in the race. They're running. But you know what Paul says? That's obvious. 
everybody that's in a running race is running, right? But one receiveth the prize. Okay, so if you are in a group of runners and everybody is running and there's going to be a prize for the fastest runner and everybody is running, do you think you're going to get the prize on accident? No, because everybody is doing what you're doing. So unless you strive, unless you do something to set yourself above everyone else, you're not just going to have the prize handed to you, right? So Paul says, don't you know that everybody which runs, everybody in the race, they all run? So here's the contrast. All run, but one receiveth the prize. Here's his conclusion. So run that ye may obtain. Okay, so here's what he's saying. Everybody in a race runs, but only one receives the prize. So run that ye may obtain. Okay, so what does that mean? Be intentional. If we are not intentional about running the Christian life, running this race, we will not obtain. All right? I'm not talking about salvation. We, that was gifted to us when we put our faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. But if you want to talk about finishing your course, how many of you have ever had opposition in your Christian life? Okay, maybe the better question would be, is there anybody here that has not had opposition in your Christian life? Because we all face it. You know, the world doesn't want us to run this race. You know, Satan doesn't want us to run this race. So if we're not intentional, do you think we're going to finish? Okay, so here's what he's saying. One, be intentional. Only one receives the prize. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Okay, so one, be intentional. But two, we're going to have to be temperate. Now, temperate, just very simply, means moderate or not excessive. Now, in competitive sports, and I, I don't play them. I've never played them. I probably never will. But if you are in a competitive sport, if you do not have power over your body, you will not win. Okay? That is not even controversial. If your body is in control of you, then we will look like what America looks like. Right? We know what America looks like. Okay? Most people in our nation don't have self-control, and it is in every area of our lives, isn't it? From our time, from what we watch, from what we say, from what we eat, from what we do or don't do. How many people just decide they don't want to work, don't want to do whatever, right? If you are an athlete, either you're, and this is every person, you are either going to control your passions and your desires or they will control you okay everybody in this world falls into one of those two categories 
And you know what Paul is saying? Those that strive for the mastery are temperate. And you know what these athletes go through to be in the shape that they have to be in to even have a chance to win? It's amazing what they go through, what they sacrifice, the diets that they eat, the schedules that they keep at the gym. That's temperance. They are in control of their bodies, their desires. They are telling their body what it can have and what it can't have. They are telling their body what it can and cannot do, not what it feels like doing. Okay? So not only do we have to be intentional, we have got to be temperate. If we don't have control over our own bodies, do you think we're going to finish this race? Because you know what? Does our body feel like living the Christian life? Is the Christian life lived off of feelings? All right, don't put your hand up, okay? We are, are, and this is important for us to understand, but when we are saved, we are redeemed, aren't we? Praise the Lord. But you know what part is not redeemed? Your flesh. Okay, because you know what Paul talks about the rapture? That he groaned for the time that his body would be redeemed. Okay, so if we don't have control over our bodies, how are we going to finish this race? Because this race has nothing to do with feelings. So if we cannot be temperate, be moderate, we're not going to ever achieve this race. And it's, isn't it a blessing that as a body of believers, we aren't trying to beat one another, but that each of us just have to finish the race that God has given us. And we're not against every other person. I'm not hoping to win so that you lose. We are all striving to finish, all right? Now verse 26. Now Paul's going to talk about what he does. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly. Okay, that's the intentional thing we talked about earlier. So fight I, not as one that beateth the air. Now, has it ever amazed you uh, when you watch the Olympics, might be a running race, might be a, a swimming race, the, the tenseness in their bodies when they are waiting for the sound of that gun, okay? If you are uncertain in that moment, think about a 100-yard dash. How many of you guys have ever seen a photo finish where the, it's, I mean, you might be uh, a half a step ahead of somebody, but they are splitting seconds, aren't they? When you set a world record, when you are coming in first versus second, if there is any, even, even half a second of uncertainty, do you think you have a chance? Okay, if the gun goes off and you and you you have to stop and think for half a second, you probably just lost. Okay? Now, you know what Paul's saying here? We already talked about this, being intentional, but Paul is saying, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly. We have to be intentional. We cannot have a moment of uncertainty. If we have a moment of uncertainty, we probably just lost that battle that day. All right? Uh, and he says, not as one that beateth the air. He's not shadow boxing. He's fighting a real, a real battle. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means I should have preached to others. I myself 
should be a castaway. I'm going to try to not spend too much time on this verse because we've got to get uh, into a little bit more here. But he says, I keep under my body. That's the temperance we talked about. Uh, he said, I keep under my body. He was in control of his body. Uh, and bring it into subjection, lest by that any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Now, that word castaway is the same word that is translated approved in other places. So look with me at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, let me see if I can find this verse here. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 19. And this word approved means to pass the test. Okay, like you would test something to see if it, if it passes. Uh, verse 19 in chapter 11. For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. Okay, so to approve something is to test it, and it passes the test. Uh, the word castaway would be not approved. It would just be disapproved. You know what Paul's saying? Now, he's not talking about salvation here because he's talking about the crown of righteousness. He's talking about the rewards that he's going to win. But he says that even after a life of preaching to others, if he did not keep his body in subjection, he could have ended his race disapproved. Now, that is something for us to think about. If the Apostle Paul could have finished his race as not approved, we better be careful. Okay, if, if Paul was this intentional, we better be intentional and we better be moderate. Okay, we got to be intentional and we got to be in control of our bodies. Because if we let our bodies and our desires and our passions control us, uh, we will not have a victorious finish. It just, it will not happen. Now, what has Paul said here? He has said here so far that everybody runs, <clears throat> but only one receives the prize. Okay? Now he's going to go into chapter 10, and he's going to say, he starts it with, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant. Okay, so... You have to be intentional and you have to be in control of your body to win because only one, only one person wins. But then he says, moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant because there are things that can disqualify us. So he, now he switches to the whole other end of the spectrum. The first picture that he gave us was, hey, there's this big group of people, but only one wins, Right? Now he's going to switch it, and he's going to say, there can be a big group of people that are doing right, and you can fail. Okay? And we got to watch that. Because we could be amongst believers. We could, You know what? The body of Christ, all the saved people around this world, what a wonderful body to be in. But you know what? You can still fail, <laughs> even though you're in that body. All right, so here's the warning Paul gives them. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea 
and did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink. Notice how many times he's used the word all. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, how many of you guys see what Paul's doing here? First he said, hey, everybody runs, but only one wins. Now he's saying, look at our fathers. Every one of them went through that Red Sea. Every one of them were under that cloud. Every one of them drank of that spiritual water, that drink. Every one of them ate of that manna. Every one of them followed Christ in the Old Testament there. But even though they all, 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 he uses that many times, even though all of them had experienced the same wonderful spiritual things, God was not pleased with many of them. And we read about that, don't we, in the Old Testament? That they did some very, uh, they made some very bad mistakes. And even though all of them had experienced the wonderful works of God bringing them out of Egypt, some of them still managed to displease God. Okay, so here's the warning. We're going to have to be intentional and we're going to have to be temperate if we want to achieve that prize. But we, just because we're in this body of believers that are all running this race, we can fail individually if we get sidetracked with the same things that Israel got sidetracked with. Okay, And so here's what he says in verse 6. Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Now, he hasn't even started talking about the specific things they did to fail. But here's the lesson. These are our examples because even though they all did this, they all experienced these wonderful things, this is a lesson to us that not only do we have to be intentional, not only... Do we have to be moderate? But we better not lust after evil things. Because even though they were all in this group of over a million people, well over a million people, that God brought through the Red Sea, gave them manna, they were shielded by that cloud, by that pillar. They lusted after evil things. And that was their downfall. Now, they... They were idolaters. Okay, he says that here in just a minute. They did commit fornication, verse 8. That's what they did. Verse 9, they tempted Christ. Verse 10, they murmured. Those, that was what they did, but the first warning is not to lust. Because you know what James tells us is that lust, when it is conceived, lust precedes our sin, doesn't it? And so we have to be careful. If we want to avoid these pitfalls, we better not lust after evil things. Now, if you lust, that does not mean that you will always fall into that sin. 
but you will never sin without lusting for it first. Okay? So, number one, don't lust. Do not lust after evil things. Now, I want to give you this here as well. This is one of my favorite passages as an example of how to apply the Old Testament to our lives. Because Paul takes this specifically from the Old Testament, and he applies it to our lives. But notice he does not say, um, hey, don't tempt Christ or a snake is going to come and bite you. He does not say that. Uh, I believe that we can be judged, that we can be um, disciplined is probably a better way to put that. But I am so thankful that I have never heard of a church where they were so far gone that God sent a bunch of serpents and started taking them out. I've not, how many of you, has anybody heard of that before? I've never heard of that. And you know what? Paul does not say they tempted Christ and God destroyed them of serpents. So you better not tempt Christ or you're going to get destroyed of serpents. He doesn't say that. But what's he saying? We better not lust after evil things because that was a good example. <laughs> that tells us how does God feel about this? All right. So verse 7, they were idolaters. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Verse 8, neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and 20,000. Verse 9, neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now, each one of those things I could preach on individually. I'm not going to do that. Verse 11, now all these things happened unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. That word world is the same word that is translated ages another time. Their time is gone. The end of the age for them is coming on. But these things were written for our admonition. Okay, now he's about to sum it all up here. Verse 12. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. What could happen worse in a foot race than that you fall? You know what Paul's saying here? We gotta, we gotta be intentional. We gotta be moderate. We can't lust after evil things. All of these things that they did, and God judged them for it, they were not under grace like we are today. I mean, he judged them. He swallowed them up in the ground. Let us take heed. If you think you stand, even if you think you stand, we better take heed, okay? Because if they all went through that wonderful stuff, how many of you would have loved to have gone through the Red Sea? How many of you would have loved not to worry about the mortgage payment, but being under the cloud, right? Not worrying about the groceries, but worrying about the manna, the the water. We would do almost anything to experience those things. And if the people that experienced those things were condemned by these things, and you even think you're standing, we better take heed. We better take heed heed. Uh, What does the verse say about being vigilant? Be sober for your adversary, the devil. You know what? He doesn't give us a big billboard before he's about to tempt us. Okay? So if you're in a race, 
we got to be intentional. we got to be moderate. We can't lust, but we better take heed because we're going to wipe out if we are not taking heed, all right? Verse 13, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it? Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. Okay? Now, I, I don't want to spend too much time talking about verse 13. There's some wonderful, wonderful things I could talk about. But if you really study that verse, you know what you're really going to walk away with? We have no excuse. If we fall in a temptation, no excuse. Now, I'm not saying... Temptation is not real. I'm not saying it's not hard. But you know what he's saying? Every man experiences the temptation that you experience. And God is faithful. And there is no temptation that you're in where you'll ever be able to stand before God and say, Lord, I lived for you for 40 years, but I failed at the end, but I didn't have a choice. No temptation where you don't have a choice. No temptation. James tells us that God does not tempt men. God's not responsible. So you're not going to get to heaven and say, Lord, why did you tempt me at the end of my race? God doesn't tempt us. Now, God may test us, okay? But James is talking about being tempted of sin. God does not tempt us with sin. In verse 13, no excuse. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. We have got to beware that we don't lust after evil things, and we have to flee them, okay? They were in it, but we got to flee it. And then he says in verse 15, I speak as to wise men, judge ye what I say. I hope that there are wise people here tonight that can look at this passage and say, wow, I, wanna, I want to finish my race. I want to win that crown that is incorruptible, and that you can judge for yourselves because you're wise and say, wow, I better be intentional. I better be moderate. I better not lust after evil things. I better flee from these things. All right. I hope that you have been provoked to think about the fact that all run, but only one obtains. And on the flip side, all went through the sea. All drank of the spiritual rock. But with many of them, God was displeased. I don't know about you. I want to finish my course. You can go and read. I believe it's 2 Timothy where Paul talks about, I have finished my course. He knew, he, he knew it was over for him. And he said, I have finished my course. I have fought a good fight. And he said, it's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. All right? I pray that the Lord will provoke every person in here tonight to determine I am going to run my race. That I would not look at my Savior that saved me by his grace and have to, to look at him knowing that I failed at the end. 
So let's go to the Lord in prayer, and I just pray that we would be determined to do these things to finish our course. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the powerful word of God. Thank you that these warnings are given to us. Please help us to be intentional, to be moderate, to flee the lust of evil things. Lord, help us to finish our course. Help us to be a pure body. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.